I don't care about the Western Conference Finals. I'm trying to win a championship. That's the sound of the playoff horn. Welcome to another Playoffs Edition Clipcast. I'm your host, Chris Kowild. Hey, that's me. We got a massive, all-tied-up Clipcast Playoff Spectacular with big guests. We'll hear more from Kawhi Leonard. We'll hear from Coach Ty Lu, who's playing chess, not checkers. We'll hear from Mook Morris. We'll hear from Paul George. We'll hear from Hollywood Hank. No, no, not Burbank Hank. He's Hollywood Hank, Henry Dittman, and of course me, Chris Kawild. All right, stop the music, stop the music, stop the music. So much to talk about. How nutty is it that CP3, Chris Paul, leaves the Clippers? Now, to be fair, he wanted to stay with the Clippers. He wanted a six-year or a five-year contract worth over $200 million. And Jerry West said, and I quote, nah. (laughs) So anyway, he goes to Houston for two years. He goes to OKC for one year, and now he's in Phoenix. He leaves the Clippers after never reaching the Final Four in his career and makes the Final Four two out of four years after he leaves the Clippers. Wow. But what's even more wow is the fact that we knotted it all up. CP3's just sitting there waiting. The waiting is the hardest part because he's literally sitting there waiting in every single series in the playoffs other than the Suns, who swept their way into the Final Four, is all knotted up at 2-2. But here's what I love about this Clippers team, and then I'm going to talk about Kawhi. The big three last night was massive, and then, of course, the greatest dunk in Clippers playoffs history. And I'm going to hear from Hollywood Hank what his favorite dunks of all time were. Does last night's Kawhi dunk measure up? Is it the greatest dunk in Clipper history? Is it the greatest dunk in Clipper playoffs history? So we're going to debate about that. We're going to hear from the guys about the dunk. But what I want to talk about first is the play of the big three. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Marcus Morris Sr. Marcus Morris Sr. in the first half alone scored 22 and went five for five from three. After going one for 17 in the first three games, Mook Morris goes five for five from three, lights it up in the first half for 22 points. Listen to the score after the first quarter. Listen to me hear you say this. Listen to me hear me tell you this. The score at the end of the first quarter was 30 Clippers 13 Jazz. The Clippers held the best team in the NBA record-wise to 13 first-quarter points. But the thing that really boggles the mind is all 30 of those Clipper points came from the big three. PG, Kawhi, Mook, Morris. Take a listen to Mook right now. Man, you make some, you miss some. It's, you know, it's just game by game, man. This is it's the playoffs, and, you know, I'm, I'm just you know, staying in the moment. Uh, it's trying to be big for my team, but, you know, it's basketball, man. You're going to get hot and, you know, you're going to get some shots. But, you know, it's about, you know, staying level and not getting too, you know, too down to yourself and you know, just continue to go forward. And if I miss shots, hey, man, I'm do something else on the court that's going to show my impact. So uh, it's not all about, you know, just making threes, but, you know, just being a presence out there for my team. Some games present, you know, different things. You know, I work hard myself and, I, you know, I put a lot, of, a lot on my game, a lot on my uh, – my experience so um you know like i said man mr make i'm still in it and i'm not gonna keep missing i'll tell you that Ooh, and he did not miss last night in game four i mean missed one or something went five for six 
He did not miss in game seven when he went seven for nine. When Mook is hitting, we are winning. Here's the thing. He's got to make them, and PG and Kawhi have to take them. In back-to-back, and it wasn't a back-to-back, you know what I mean, two games in 24 hours. But in back-to-back, home, Clipper, playoff, blowout, Ws, Kawhi and Paul George. In game three, they each put up 24 shots each. That's exactly what they need to do. They need to shoot the ball like they're the best players on the team. Like they're the best players on the floor. Like Kawhi Leonard is the best player on planet Earth. And he, he last night, threw down what I think was the most epic Clippers playoff dunk ever. Greatest Clippers playoff dunk ever. And why do I think it's the greatest Clipper playoff dunk ever? Because honestly, when I think back at the great Clippers dunks that I've seen live, I've been to every home game basically in the past 20 years. So I've seen a lot of great dunks, specifically Lob City. And I tweeted out last night, that was the greatest Clippers playoff dunk ever. And people said, well, what about the Blake Griffin dunks in the first round series that went to seven versus Kawhi's Spurs? I mean, yeah, those were great, but I literally don't remember them specifically. I remember specific Clippers dunks, and I'm going to expand upon that in a bit. But I don't remember the specific dunk. I know Blake blew me away. Maybe it was a spoil of riches because Blake always blew me away with great dunks. But the Blake dunks that I remember aren't that. And even if I do really think and remember, oh, right, 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 right. It was round one. It was round one in a best of seven series. And then we would go on to lose round two again. So here we are now in round two with a chance to go to our first final four ever. That's why this dunk, and it was very Blake reminiscent. It was a reach. I mean, he really had to extend those massive mitts to pull off that ferocious dunk, and it literally blew everybody out of the building. 10,000 in Staples Center last night. It was a party because we, forget this play from behind bullcrap, we got out and we just punked him 10-2, and it was all the big three. In the first half, it was the big three. Listen to this. The game started at 7 p.m. At 9 p.m., two hours later, Mook, Paul George, and Kawhi still together, the three of them, had more than the entire Jazz team. Listen to this. 9 p.m., two hours after tip-off, Kawhi, PG, Mook, 65, Jazz, 64. But the other Clippers were contributing to the tune of 20, and it was 84 clips, 64 Jazz. But those three guys, those three, the three-headed monster, the three-headed dragon, some, some of you nerds know what the three-headed dragon is called. There's a name for it. You D&D role-playing nerds, God bless you. I am a Kawhi Len nerd. I'm a total Kawhi Len nerd. I'm a Clipper nerd. I don't know the name of a three-headed dragon, but I know the name of the three-headed dragon on the Clippers. It's Kawhi Len nerd, Paul, John Ringo George, and Marcus Morris Sr. Out of those three, how do you choose Hank's player of the game, really? Let's go to Hollywood Hank right now and see who he chose for last night's Hank's player of the game. What Clipcast would be complete without the Hanks player of the game? You know what? It would be easy to say Kawhi Leonard, 31 points. Paul George, 31 points. You could pick, take your pick between the two of them. Seven rebounds for Kawhi, nine rebounds for Paul George. Second playoff game in a row, they combined for 30 each plus. Uh, or they, they each got 30 plus to combine for 60. It'd be easy to say that, but that's not Hanks player of the game. Hanks player of the game is Sir Marcus Morris Sr. He finally got well last night we've been seeing some progress for marcus morris 
He came down with six rebounds, five of them on the defensive end. Really nice line, 24 points, six rebounds, grabbed a steal, grabbed an assist, but he went five of six in the three-point line, and that's what we have been waiting for, Clippers Nation. Now, unfortunately, Nicholas Batum swung the other direction. He went one of six from three, but this is not Hank's unplayer of the game, okay? This is Hank's player of the game, but it does beg the question. With Marcus Morris Sr. going five of six, what happens for opponents if Nick Batum also starts shooting above 50% from three? What happens if that happens on the same night? Paul George went four of 10 from three. Kawhi Leonard, three of seven. That's not unheard of for Kawhi. I'm glad that Paul George got 10 threes up. I'm thrilled for that. 20 shots, almost 20 shots for Kawhi. But what happens when Nick Batum shoots over 50% from three? What happens when we start getting up there with guys really going nasty from the three-point line? 40% three-point shooting is pretty good. We shot literally to the decimal point. 40.5%, the same three-point percentage as Utah. But those five of six from Marcus Morris make him, for me, Hank's player of the game. Thanks, Hank, buddy old pal. I don't know who my Hank's player of the game is. Got to be Kawhi Leonard because of that dunk because he put up the greatest dunk in Clippers history. But more about Marcus Morris right now. Head coach Ty Lue has a theory why Marcus Morris played so well last night in game four. Take a listen. His brother was here. <laughs> We're going to take him to Utah with us, too. Mook, you think your identical twin brother is going to go to Utah with uh, you? No, he won't be coming to Utah. He's, I don't know anybody that want to go to Utah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, uh, he's just going he's gonna, he's gonna to stick it out here in L.A. and, you know, we'll see him when we come back. But, no, I just think, you know, just taking his shots, taking him with confidence. You know, we know he can make. we got a lot of confidence in him. And I'm just step, I'm taking shots. And tonight when you yeah. know, going five for five in the first half, um, you know, that was just great. I guess off to a good start. Yeah, it sure did. It really did. And I think the thing that is finally unlocking Quinn's code, and I truly think that we are amidst a gentleman's sweep here. Once again, down 0-2, round two, just like we were down 0-2, round one. But I don't know, man. I don't think Clippers are going to need five to finish them like they did versus Dallas. I think they've unlocked Quinn's code, and I think they figured it out, and I think it's because of our depth. It's Nicholas Batum going small. It's countering big if we need to with Zoo, who's been very good at times, but also showing his greenness, his naivete. He's just a kid out there for crying out loud, but he, you know, he's had some sloppy moments, but he's had some great moments. But going small with Batum guarding one through five, and with Mook Morris guarding one through five has been the difference for these Clippers. And I think we're going to unlock a gentleman's sweep because Marcus Morris can defend anybody. For me personally, uh, playing the five? Yeah. Uh, man, shit. Uh, a lot of cold tubbing, uh, a lot of massages, things like that. You know, I'm up for the challenge, man. We, You know, I, I can guard, you know, one through five, and I think that's the best, you know, best thing about our team outside of, you know, our depth is our versatility. Um, the playoff season with a true big and then enter the playoffs and go small. Uh, that's a test to our team, and, you know, we're doing it well. We picked it up well, and, you know, we're running with it. They got depth. They got versatility. And I think they got the Jazz's number. I think they go into Utah, and they win that game. Supposedly, according to Ralph Lawler, they haven't won there since – 
April 2018 or something. That just doesn't sound right. Oh, me, oh, my. Ralph, what, what did you say in your tweet? Well, I said Clippers still face tough tests. They have lost seven games in a row in Salt Lake City. The last win there was, oh, me, oh, my, bingo, April 28th, 2017 in the playoffs. They must, all caps, win either Game 5 or Game 7 on the road if they are to advance to the Holy Smokers fans, the NBA Finals. They have some momentum now hopefully they can ride it to a win game five okay thanks ralph yeah and i replied to you heck before game seven and and i apologize for the language there speaking of language i let one slide because it was marcus morris and burbank hank isn't here he's hollywood hank so he can't be there to remind me that it's a family show and have to bleep it you get one s i'll allow one s i think a second s and then maybe it's explicit regardless no one cares i responded to ralph lawler who said they haven't won. I don't even understand that. He says the last win was April 28th, 2017 in the playoffs. So does that mean, Ralph Lawler, they've lost seven games in a row in Salt Lake City? That's got to be that's got to be regular season, including, obviously, right? Because they lost two in Salt Lake City in the playoffs, and then way back when, in 2017, when we lost to Utah in round one in game seven, let's think. We lost game one at home. We won game two at home. And that was our last home Staples Center playoff win. That's that's my whole point. What I replied to Ralph was, before game seven, round one versus Dallas, and this current three-game home win streak, including the two home wins versus Utah, the last time they won at Staples was April 18th, 2017, versus Utah. So, like I said, we've cracked Quinn's code. The gentleman's sweep is on. So, I, I don't know. Is that does that mean we've lost seven in a row in the playoffs in Salt Lake City? Regardless, this team is about doing stuff we've never done before. So we're gonna go into Utah game five tomorrow night and we're gonna get that W. And then we're gonna win in front of a capacity crowd on Friday night, game six. I can't wait. Go on to the cardboard cutouts. Enter the actual living, breathing fans. Yes, you will have to wear your masks because we are indoors. And I know that California is now officially open for business, but because it's not an open-air stadium, I guess you have to wear masks regardless. Who cares? Put your masks on and root, root, root for the home team. They will win, and it's not going to be a shame. Oh, I can't wait for tomorrow night, game five, and then Friday night, game six. It's definitely going to six come hell or high water. I don't think it's going to seven. I think we quacked Quinn's quote. What is that? Yes, I'm talking quackers when we all know that French for duck is Luke Kennard. More Clipcast after this. Allez, mon ami. Quack, quack, quack. Last night, Luke Kennard had eight points in 12 minutes. Last night, Yvicha Zubats, eight points in 18 minutes. We got contributions from the bench. Patrick Beverly was massive last night in 20 minutes, just playing nasty defense. Donovan Mitchell had the ball going in to end the first half, and Pat Beverly almost steals it. Donovan Mitchell gets it back, tries to put up a three-point shot, and Pat Beverly just blocks it from behind and stuffs him to the ground. Oh, it was awesome defense. Take a listen to Coach Tyloo talking about Pat Bev's nasty D. But I forgot, and I just wanted to give Pat Beverly a lot of credit. You know, Pat Beverly coming to the game, um, defensively, you know, what he did for us, he just totally changed the game. So 
Um, you know, a total team win. Marcus Moore's getting off to a great start. You know, Kawhi and PG doing their thing, but I thought Pat Beverly really did a great job of coming in and setting that tone for us defensively. So, um, you know, a total team win. Game five is going to be a little different. We know we're going to a hostile environment. We just got to keep up poised and try to get off to a good start early in the game. Yeah, they didn't get off to a good start in game three, which was a Clipper home playoff blowout W. But the Utah Jazz jumped ahead of us 8-0. Game four, the only lead the Jazz had was up 2-0. That was it. Then the Clippers respond with a three-pointer. Boom. It's 3-2, to two, and then the sky's the limit. It's 10-2. to two. You bat your eyes, and it's 30-13. to 13. We hold the best team in the NBA to 13 first-quarter points. They're playing catch-up the entire game. We outplayed them in the second quarter. We just whooped their butts. We went into the half up 24 and I just want to exp- I want to talk more about the fact that if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are shooting, even if they're not making all their shots, because these guys are phenomenal shooters and they're going to go in eventually. But if they're just shooting, 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 and Marcus Morris is making, if Mook is making and PG and Kawhi are taking, oh, the Jazz's backs, we are breaking. Goodness saking, Utah, you are dead on the water, brothers and sisters. I'm so sorry. You ain't going to get no caffeine, so you'll, I guess, sleep better at night, but it's going to be sleeping with the fishes because you're done. We're going in to game five in Salt Lake City over there. Don't worry about it. We're going to knock some freaking heads. Kawhi Leonard last night puts up 19 shots, goes 9 for 19. Paul George puts up 20 shots, goes 9 for 20. That's what I'm talking about. And the thing is, Kawhi left a little early because he knocked knees with Joe, Joe Ingles, Jingles, the clown cat. So he... That, that 19 shot attempts is actually deceiving because he didn't play his usual big, big, big minutes. He played 34 minutes to Paul George's 40 minutes. But that's what I kept saying, is that Paul George has to put up a minimum 20 shots. Kawhi Leonard has to put up a minimum 20 shots. Game three, they each put up 24 shots each, 48 between them, and we win, and we win big. Last night, game four, they put up a combined 39 shots, and we win, and we win big. Paul George and Kawhi got to take. Mook's got to make the big three. Oh, it's so good to get Mook Morris back in the rotation. But second quarter, with about a minute 40 seconds left, it was the dunk heard round the world. I honestly think it was the greatest dunk I've ever seen in Clipper playoff history. I don't know that it's the greatest dunk in Clipper history. It may end up being that when we lock in that final four slot, especially if we are the Western Conference champions and, of course, if we're the NBA champions, which is Kawhi Leonard's goal. You heard him to start the show. Let's hear it again. I don't care about the Western Conference Finals. I'm trying to win a championship. Oh, he's trying to win a championship, and he dumped, dumped. He dumped. Derek, you're not doing me any favors. He dunked over and took a dump on Derek. You're not doing me any favors. It blew my mind. I was way up in the press box, and I literally got up out of my seat I I, I literally my mind was blown and I got up out of my seat and there's this recycling container that's a giant soda bottle and I I literally walked over to it and considered drinking from it even though it's not a giant soda bottle it's actually a gimmick way to remind you to recycle most people just put their stuff in the actual recycling bin and not the giant one that looks like a giant coke bottle but the dunk was so great that it made me almost reach up for a five-foot-tall Coke bottle and drink from it, even though there's no Coke inside. Delicious, delicious caffeinated Coke, which you can't drink, jazz fans. But that dunk blew my mind. 
and it made me think of the greatest dunks in Clipper history. And the reason I say that it's the greatest dunk in Clippers playoffs history is because I could only think personally of three or four or five dunks that were the greatest dunks in Clipper history, and none of them came in the playoffs. Last night's Kawhi dunk was the definitive Clipper playoff dunk. Best dunk in Clippers playoffs history. Burbank Hank, Hollywood, what you got for the greatest dunks in Clipper history? Well, it is a fascinating question, Chris Kawhi, the greatest dunks regular and postseason of the Clippers era. So I'm going to count them down using the eye test because what else is there? What else matters except our own personal opinion as Homer Clippers fans? Number three on my top three list is the dunk face dunk. We all remember this dunk very clearly. It was DeAndre Jordan coming up over Brandon Knight of the Pistons, dunking on him, destroying him. Brandon Knight then being destroyed on Twitter for an extended period of time. And I believe that Brandon Knight actually tweeted out a really funny response of, oops, the scouting report um, didn't include that the Clippers threw lobs, LOL. That's a paraphrase, but I still remember it pretty clearly because I thought it was such a good sport. He was such a good sport, but DeAndre Jordan came off dunking so hard on poor Brandon Knight that he, he himself reacted to it with the same face we all had, which was basically to quote our friend Brian Seaman, hello, nasty. It was a nasty dunk. Uh, number two is a bit of a toss-up. It's a tie. They are both Blake Griffin dunks. One of them is the famous Timofey Mozgov dunk uh, that in a way set the tone of who Blake Griffin was, except that Mozgov wasn't some defensive genius like the other dunk in my top three, the tied for number two dunk, which is the over Kendrick Perkins dunk. Holy wow. That dunk was while Perkins was still playing for the Thunder, if you recall, and it was earth-shaking and one of the things that was so earth-shaking about it was that Kendrick Kendrick Perkins at the time um, was not a basketball analyst who killed people with his words he was a NBA player who killed people with his defense and Blake Griffin came right along and stuffed it on him huge huge dunk Uh, and then of course number one is last night's drunk Uh, last night's drunk that was you Chris You were last night's drunk. Uh, I unfortunately was on set and wasn't able to make it to the game. But I will tell you, last night's dunk from Kawhi Leonard to me is the number one dunk. Uh, It it put us up a gazillion points. It was something like 60-40 or um, 60-38, to something like that. And that dunk in a moment where we were really killing them in the second quarter, near the end of the second quarter, he came through, basically drove past O'Neal, and then put it on. Derek Favors. Put it on Derek Favors, who's one of their stronger defenders. He, he definitely is putting the effort forth on the Utah Jazz. Uh, but there's a really great sequence of photos you can see on the Clipcast Playoffs Edition, playoffs edition uh, Twitter, at LA Clipcast, which you should know if you're listening to our podcast. I assume you know about that. Um, there's a really great sequence of photos where you can see uh, players' reactions to the dunk happening in real time. It was epic. It was rim-shaking. It was amazing. Those are my top three dunks in Clippers' recent history. I didn't see the other dunks. I never saw World Be Free dunk. His dunks were amazing. But I'm going recency bias, and I'm saying DeAndre Jordan, then Blake Griffin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Kendrick Perkins' dunk the edge for Blake Griffin, followed by last night's in, enormous, incredible Kawhi Leonard dunk near the end of the second half. Second quarter. Over Derek Favors. End of the second quarter. Back to you, Chris. Thank you, Burbank. Hank, more with my take 
on the best Clipper dunks and those SLC punks after this. So for me, the greatest dunks in Clipper history, the ones that immediately jumped to mind, yes, dunk face. And what Burbank Hank didn't say was that Brandon Knight was literally flattened on his back. The dude ended up on the floor on his back. So when people say, oh, Kawhi killed that man, or Blake Griffin just killed Perkins, Mozgov, they didn't end up on their backs. So, ah, man, that may be the greatest Clipper dunk in regular season history, maybe ever. I definitely give last night's Kawhi dunk the greatest playoff Clipper dunk ever, easily. But the other dunks that come to mind that Hank did not talk about was Blake Griffin jumping over the car, winning the slam dunk contest. That really ushered in a whole new era of Clippers basketball. Blake would be an all-star. Blake would win the dunk contest. Blake would be rookie of the year. The next season, that strike-shortened season, Merry Christmas, Chris Paul comes to town, Lob City is born. So that was a very important dunk. Baron Davis passed Blake Griffin, ooped. He alley-ooped that dunk from inside the Kia through the sunroof, and it would be Baron Davis's last play as a Los Angeles Clipper. By the way, if you haven't heard Baron Davis on all the Smoke podcasts, stop everything after you're done listening to this podcast and listen to that podcast. That was phenomenal. Who knew Baron Davis was such a cowboy pimp? It'll make sense when you listen to the show. So, the jumping over the Kia of Blake. Blake, yes, Mozgoving Perkins, Mozgoving Mozgov, but also when Blake dunked over Pau Gasol and the entire L-Word team. That was massive. I mean, I think Blake Griffin is the greatest in-game dunker ever. Peak Blake. Who else is better than him? Michael Jordan, maybe? Dominique Wilkins, maybe? Shaq, maybe? Definitely not Kobe. I, I, Blake Peak Blake Griffin was the most exciting, most explosive in-game dunker of all time. Kawhi Leonard last night, greatest dunk in Clipper playoff history. Fight me. Which one was better? Oh, what about those ones versus the Spurs? But you don't know. You don't know what game it was. You don't know if it was at home or on the road. Does that make sense? Because I know where I was when I saw Kawhi dunk and destroy over Derek. You're not doing me any favors. That was amazing. And it was such a decisive period on a round two. We ain't done. We're going to do a gentleman's sweep. You got us, O2? Kawhi Leonard might just be the scariest NBA player of all time, down, O2. In his championship run with Toronto, we all know what happened. He was down O2 versus the Greek Freaks Bucks, and then gentleman's sweep. Last round versus Dallas, we're down O2. We beat him in seven, and here we are again. Day jazz vu all over again, and we're going back to Salt Lake City. But enough about me talking about Kawhi's dunk. Let's hear Paul George talking about Kawhi's dunk. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he he just, he surprises you, um, you know, with the stuff that he does and that he can do. No, I mean, he's been feeling good, you know, um, all season long, um, you know, but just attacking the basket, you know, they put a center on him a couple of times in the middle of the zone. And I kind of like just, you know, told him to attack, told him to be aggressive. And he got kind of mad. And then the next play, he came out and go to land, dunk the ball over favors. During the game, I'm in the heat of the moment. You know, I know it's I know it's a big play, but you know, gotta have that next play mentality because uh, right after that, 
Um, I think Joe Ingles came down and hit a three uh, pretty wide open in that corner. So, you know, we got, we got, we still got a um, room for improvement. Oh, the man is a machine. He's literally being hard on himself. He puts up the greatest dunk in Clippers playoff history, but they were all celebrating the dunk and asleep at the wheel and Jingles, the clown cat, goes down and hits a wide open three. Whatever. We whooped them. We romped them and stomped them. Now we're going back to Utah game five where we got to take advantage of this momentum. I think we've cracked Quinn's code. We're going to find out tomorrow night, game five, if we have. Game one and game two, our guys, our big three, the ones who won it for us last night, did not play particularly well. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard got over 20 points in both of those contests. But in a losing effort. And what's crazy is Mook was horrible. One for 17 in the first three games from three. Didn't really contribute offensively at all in any of those games. In games one or two. Didn't matter game three. It mattered in game four. And it certainly mattered in game seven versus Dallas. But what was great about those first two games, we didn't play particularly well, our superstars. And we were still in it late, thanks to Reggie Jackson. We were a three away from tying it at the end of one. We had Lawler's Law in Game 2. Games 1 and Game 2, we didn't play particularly great Clipper basketball, and we still were right in it late. Games 3 and 4, we played great Clipper basketball, and we absolutely clobbered them. So say Utah responds and rebounds, which I don't think they will, but maybe they do. I don't think we're going to see Mike Conley. I think Donovan Mitchell plays phenomenally despite having a bad wheel, as Justin Russo likes to say. No, it wasn't Justin Russo. Who was it who told me that? Who was sitting next to me. Regardless, <laughs> he's got a bad wheel, and he's still putting up all those big numbers. But unlike Luka Doncic, just hate Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic had big offensive outputs and big numbers, great scoring nights, but he also led the team and sometimes led all teams in assists. He makes his entire team better, which is why they went to Game 7 versus us and lost. I don't know that Donovan Mitchell makes his entire team better. Yes, we're going to double team Mitchell, which is going to leave somebody open, but Mitchell's not a deft assister like our new point guards, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Apparently, they're working with Mr. Big Shot himself, assistant coach Chauncey Billups, because Ty Lue is looking to them to play point guard, not to Beverly, not to Rondo, not to Terrence Mann. He's looking to our big superstar, super studs, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and that's very fascinating to me. So let's hear more from Coach Ty Lue, what his staff is doing to get the Clippers ready for this tough series that they're about to win in six. I mean, every series is different, um, but I do like our mindset. I do, I do like the way that we know how we want to attack and what we, how we want to approach the game. So that's the number one thing. Well, I think just... You know, um, understanding what a team is trying to do. I think how they're trying to attack you on the defensive end, um, you know, what they're looking for and how they're trying to attack you. That's one. And then on the other side of the basketball, us offensively, um, just seeing what the defense is trying to take away. And uh, once you can kind of get a feel and see what they're doing, then you can try to take advantage and capitalize on that. And um, like I said, you know, I give my coaching staff a lot of credit. They've done a great job. Um, our players have done a great job of adjusting. You know, um, we started uh, small game one, started big game two, and then started small again games three and four. But um, our team being able to adjust on the fly is doing a way better job than we did in that first series against Dallas. Um, so, you know, just not only me, I give my coaching staff a lot of credit. You know, I kind of dive into it here first and just try to look at ways we can exploit teams and uh, what we can try to take away. 
And then, you know, those guys kind of piggyback. We just kind of talk it out and just trying to see what we want to do. And, um, you know, that's kind of how we operate. So not just me, our coaching staff, has, they have a lot of great suggestions. And then we just try to, you know, uh, put it together and try to execute it. Like I said, the last two games, our team has been doing a good job of it. Might I remind you that head coach Ty Lue, this is his fourth season ever being a head coach. Previously, his three seasons of being a head coach, the man was the Eastern Conference champion coach three for three. He got to the finals three out of three years head coaching. He is a champion as a player and as a head coach. He head coached the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland LeBroniers, the Lebroniers, all the way to the finals three times in a row. He was down 3-1 in the finals and coached and adjusted and made changes and made W's. Got Draymond Green frustrated and thrown out. But this is not Cavs or Dubs cast. I'm just here to remind you, Coach Ty Lue is effective. And we are seeing him make adjustments in real time. Things that Doc would never do. Doc was a motivator, not necessarily an X's and O's guy. Great motivator. Should be president one day. Won't be, but should be. Great motivator. Not the best X's and O's guy, right? Remember we had that Boston guy on, and I asked him maybe if someone else was coached, maybe the Boston Big Three wins more than just one chip. Maybe. Anyway, we are seeing Ty Lue make adjustments in real time. We're going to make an adjustment right now and be back with more ClipCast after these fine words from our adorable sponsors. All right, let's talk about the fact that Paul George gets just the most unwarranted slander of all time. Why why aren't people taking a massive crap on C.J. McCollum, for example? Portland Trailblazers' second-best player completely craps the bed, leaves everything on Dame's shoulders. Dame can't do it, loses in six, out of round one. How come C.J. McCollum isn't being hung out to dry? How come Elward, their second-best player, LeBron James, isn't being hung out to dry. He didn't do enough. He went up 2-1, and then what happened? Nothing. He lost in six. Why is any second-best player on any team getting the kind of crap that Paul George gets, which is crazy, by the way, because Paul George, 11 straight 20-point games, because Paul George is fifth in fourth-quarter points per game, because Paul George versus the Mavericks was 24 points per game his average nine rebounds per game six assists 24 9 and 6 shooting 46 percent from the field 31 percent from three and 89 percent from the free throw line and then versus the jazz it's 27 points per game eight rebounds four assists 27 8 and 4 his points per game three higher in round two 27 points per game shooting 42 percent from the field a deafening it should deafen all the slander 44 percent from three 90 percent from the charity stripe last night he got to the he shot 10 free throws last night paul george is doing work stop the slander 44 percent from three this series i mean come on he's our second best guy and he's putting up outrageous numbers along with Kawhi Leonard who obviously will never be slandered as he shouldn't and apparently Kawhi Leonard and Le- and LeBron James I know this is not the LeBron James show the self-proclaimed king who by the way 
got to Los Angeles and didn't make the playoffs. Got to Los Angeles this season and got bounced from the first round for the first time ever in his playoff history. And then, of course, this summer we can see him win it all when he films in a Warner Brothers soundstage and plays with the Toon Squad as opposed to last year when he won it all playing in a Disney soundstage with the Goon Squad. Anyway, Kawhi Leonard will never be slandered because he's a two-time NBA Finals MVP and he's a crazy person. (laughs) He's just, he's so dialed in. He's Kawhi Borg. He's a robot programmed to win basketball games. I mean, listen to this man speak. I don't know what's going on in the outside world. He doesn't know what's going on in the outside world because he's a cyborg programmed only to know basketball. It's a competition. You know, somebody got to win the game and we got to go out with a mindset trying to win. It's that simple. Play as hard as possible. Play smart. You know, shoot the ball with confidence and, you know, see what the results are at the end of the game. Yeah, the results are Clippers W two in a row. Clippers have won three in a row. At Staples, the Clippers are 6-3 and three in their last nine playoff games. The Clippers are over 500 on the road in these young playoffs. Here we are in round two. Here we are two wins away from our first final four ever, and I am here to stop all the PG slander. No more Paul George slander. No more Paul John Ringo George slander. And let's hear from PG-13 right now. Not enough PG-13 on the show. Maybe that's why people are slandering him. Let's listen. Um, yeah, I mean, um, we got full trust in our teammates. Um, myself and Kawhi got full trust in each other. Um, it's, it's a healthy mix. Um, you know, we're trying to be aggressive as well as being aggressive for others. Um, you know, it's, it's opportunities for us to score when we get, uh, switches. Um, but then there's opportunities to allow our teammates to be aggressive and make plays for our teammates when we can attack our mismatches. And so, um, I think it's just a healthy mix. We got to be able to do both. Uh, just, you know, play with confidence, shoot the open jumpers, create space, and continue and just try to make the game easier for everyone around me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's great to win here. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we got to protect home court. Um, this has to be a fear place. Um, people who come step into this arena, they, they should be feared. So, should be fearing us. So, um, we, we got to create that environment. We got to create that. Uh, atmosphere um, and it starts with our play and um, you know hopefully the fans bring uh, that extra little bit for us but uh, you know it's great to do that in front of my parents Um, you know that's why I went over and gave them a hug and kiss uh, tonight that's right mom and dad sitting courtside last night but more importantly sorry not more importantly than Paul John Ringo George's parents but still what's more important to this show is you the listener and you Clipper Nation What can we do to put that fear in the hearts of these opponents who come to Staples Center? Well, game six, Friday night is our first capacity crowd this season. I mean, in well over a calendar year. We haven't been capacity since you know what happened back in March of 2020. Well, here we are in June in the playoffs. Seven teams left standing. CP waits in the wings for the Jazz Holes. I don't think so. For the Los Angeles Clippers. So what can we do, Clipper Nation? Well, we got to show up. We got to be loud. And we were great last night. There was 10,000 of us. And I bet they'll probably put about 18,000 in there Friday night. And if 18,000 people were there, well, they would have been losing their mind. Because 10K showed up and it was a party. We were actually exhausted by the end of the game. And the Clippers handed it to Utah. Well done. 
Well done, Clippers. Well done, Clipper Nation. Woo, I'm exhausted. I'm sweating to the oldies here in the Tiki Hut studio in beautiful Redondo Beach. That's right. I'm Chris Kawild. Chris Redondo Ray John Rondo Wild. Will we see Rondo? I I, I think I think Coach Tyloo is is keeping him keeping him on the sidelines to get ready to go into a steel cage and to just fight Chris Paul to the death next round. I can't wait for Ray John Rondo versus Chris Paul. It's gonna be very very much more interesting than longtime courtside regular Floyd Money Mayweather versus. My airplane mode available on Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Video airplane mode. You can watch it tonight. It's rated R. It's not great, but it stars me and it stars Logan Paul. I think Rajon Rondo versus Rajon Rondo versus Chris Paul is far more interesting a slugfest than Floyd Money Mayweather versus Logan Paul, aka Jake Paul's brother. Both of those Paul boys. It's just enough. I care about Paul George. I care. I don't want to know about Logan Paul in a slugfest. I want to see Chris Paul in a slugfest versus Rajon Redondo Rondo. I can't wait for Friday night. Let's bring it, Clipper Nation. Let's bring the heat. Let's bring it. I always bring halls of medicine into the game with me because I know I'm going to be hooping and hollering. I try to be professional up in that press box, but I just get carried away. I'm a Clipper fan, first and foremost, okay? Like Jag used to say, we're fan porters, which I I never liked. (laughs) But we were fans first before we were reporters. Well, I'm an entertainer, first and foremost, except for before that, before the entertainment comes the fact that I am a Clipper fanatic. And I fanaticize over the Clippers in an entertaining way. If you were a fly on the wall next to me last night, you would have seen a man putting on a show because he was overcome with emotions. I keep telling my son, every day, son, that we're in the Western Conference Finals, I will cry tears of joy. Every day that we're in the NBA Finals, I will cry tears of joy. And holy cow, if we do it, if we Finally, after 51 long-suffering years going back to Buffalo, if we finally do it, when we win it all, and we will win it all, when we win it all, oh my gee, I will be decked out in so much Clipper Championship swag. I will buy pants with Larry O'Brien trophies on the calves. I will have Zubaz pants. I will have Larry O'Brien earrings, dangling earrings. My ears are pierced. I'm a, you know, I'm an actor. (laughs) I will have so much swag when we are champions. I can't wait. Hats off to you, Clipper Nation. Great job last night, Hannah and DJ Dents, keeping the crowd into it. DJ Dents, I really think you do a great job on the mic. Thank you, sir. Good job, Clipper Daryl, being that lovable scamp, that two-tone Clipper clown. Hey, let's go, Clippers. Come on, baby. Let's go, Clippers. Let's go. Good on you, Clipper Daryl. He actually sat next to my 2D self last night. Before the game, I eyeballed where was modern Chris Wilde. Where was long hair Chris Wilde? 2019 Chris Wilde 2D. Because I liberated 2003 Chris Wilde 2D cardboard cutout in round one. I can't remember when I liberated him. I think it was after our second home loss or something. And again, I said this. I said this last week, and actually there was a technical glitch, so I want to just double down on this before I let you guys go. 
The NBA playoffs, more than any other professional sport, is an exact replica under the bright lights of playoffs and under the microscope of the global media. Not the national media, the global media. It's the regular season except for, boom, it's a bracket of Sweet 16, the best, better than half of the teams get in there, and literally what you see is what you get. What do I mean? I mean that everything's knotted up right now, okay? Because the win-loss ratio wasn't that different. Look, the Phoenix Suns, the number two seed Phoenix Suns, swept the number four Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz had the exact same record as us, but they were the three seed, excuse me. The two seed Phoenix Suns sweep the three seed Nuggets. Why? Well, the Denver Nuggets had the same record as us, but because of tiebreakers or such and such, we were the four seed, they were the three seed, right? I think they, I guess they went two and one versus us in a three game series, whatever. But in the regular season, the Denver Nuggets suffered injury problems. Jamal Murray, not available. In the playoffs, Jamal Murray, not available. They lose. Why? Phoenix Suns are the two seed, they're better. They were one win away from being the best team in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns were down 2-1 versus the L Word. The L Word was the seventh seed. What happened to them in the regular season? Let's put it under a microscope. They had crippling injury problems all season long. Put it under a microscope. What happens? They have injuries. They have issues. They lose, even though they're up 2-1. Even though the global media wanted it so bad for the L-word win. No, the two seed, the one win away from the best record in the NBA, crushed the seven seed L-word because put them under a microscope. The same problems they had all regular season, they're still having in the postseason. Well, let's talk about the Clippers because this is Clipcast, the best and longest-running Clippers podcast in the history of all time. Clippers had injury problems for Serge Ibaka. Well, here we are in the postseason, and we thought we got him healthy, except for no, we didn't. It's under a microscope and the bright lights and the exact same thing that plagued us in the regular season. We never had Serge Ibaka, and we still never have Serge Ibaka. How did we adapt? Well, we were very smart with our rotations. We kept guys healthy. We load managed. So now we can manage the load of the postseason. So one plays four or five in the West, two plays three. It's like every time, every time in the history of the NBA, the seven seed has never won a championship. The eight seed has never won a championship. The five seed has never won a championship. And only once ever has the six seed won a championship. When they were the returning champs, Houston Rockets, during Michael Jordan's baseball retirement hiatus weirdness. Can the Clippers get there as a four seed? Well, when Kawhi won it all as a Spur, he was a one seed. When Kawhi won it all as a Toronto Raptor, he was a two seed. I would argue that this time he is a three seed. He was tied for third, but because of tiebreakers, it's the four seed. So we were tied for third. Okay, don't think of us as a four seed because we really are a three seed. We have the exact same record as the three seed, who, by the way, is out. Okay, so they're out. They're gone. They were eliminated. So that means we're we had the third best record in the West. We did numerically. It's just that they had the tiebreaker. So don't think of us as a four seed because only one time has the four seed ever won an NBA championship. And it was the returning Celtics during like 
Bill Russell's Celtics, I believe. Like that 10-year of dominance where they won 8 out of 10 or something crazy. So they won as a 4-seed. Now, the 3-seed has won many times. More so, the 2-seed, and even more than that, the 1-seed. But the 3-seed has won multiple times. So don't say, but Chris Wilde, you just, but Kawhiild, but Chris Kawhiild, Redondo Rondo, you just said the postseason is the regular season under a microscope, under the bright lights. I am telling you that, yes. But don't look at the Clippers as the four seed, because now the three seed, whose exact record we duplicated, has been eliminated. And we all know that we could have won one of those last two games and actually locked in the three seed. So I put us as a four-seed asterisk. And by the way, I'll take it. I'm going to take the second four-seed ever to win an NBA champion. I'm going to take it. But first, let's take the final four. And before I sound the horn, let's hear what Kawhi thinks once again about the Western Conference Finals. I don't care about the Western Conference Finals. I'm trying to win a championship. Great. 